Welcome again to Touch Heaven, those who are here. If you're here for the first time or it's been a long time, just, just wave a moment. I just want to thank you and bless you. Yes, bless you. I saw the presence on the, of the Lord on you when you walked in. The presence of the Lord was upon you, my sister, when you walked in the door. I had my head down and I was playing and all of a sudden I felt it. When I looked up, it was you. So bless you. Presence of the Lord is here with you. And those online, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for staying in touch with us. I could go down the list and start to name you and those who are going to tune in later. But let it suffice to say that you know, we, uh, we really appreciate you. You are part of our family. I don't even want to say extended. It's just that you're attending and approaching with us in a different way. And we appreciate that. Many of you are separated by long distances, even on the other side of the world. But the Lord bless you. And we so much appreciate, I so much appreciate the fact of your support and strength uh, just by the fact that uh, you come and, and, and tune in and take your time. There's so many things that we want to get in. Next week, we'll begin to show you a little snippet of something called The Journey. You could write it down. It's now got a trailer that you'll be able to find, and it's Andrea Bocelli and his family with many celebrities. And uh, it's a journey through uh, uh, Italy, and they're on horses, but it's with music that gives you the shivers up and down your back. So write this down, um, write this date down, it's April 4th, April 4th, we are sponsoring with TBN a premiere showing of The Journey at a cinema in Austintown, and we have limited tickets, but I want you to know that there'll be enough tickets for all of you, and, and with that, the Lord has blessed us with a wonderful opportunity. We'll get into more of the details. How many of you know what Tunnels for Tower is and, and Wounded Warriors, right? I don't know about you, but every time I see that, I just, I, I start to weep in my spirit for these uh, men and women who have been altered and changed for the rest of their life. Uh, there many of them losing body parts and brain trauma and other things. Well, the Lord has put us in that place and where we are sponsoring a home for a wounded warrior in Canfield. We're partnering with Tunnels for Towers and we're believing God that about 10 months from now, we're gonna be able to turn that key over Amen. to a family. And we were on the phones with the local director for the state a couple days ago, and uh, he's a Marine of 14 year service. And he just was overwhelmed because he's in Pittsburgh. And just that morning, two hours before we were on the call, he got a file put in front of him of a wounded warrior family in Youngstown. I don't think you understand. Just two hours before we had our connection and we said, we want to do this, he was overwhelmed. He said, we just, 
identified this wounded warrior in Canfield. So we're going to be part of that. We're going to kick that off at April 4th with the journey and the premiere. And uh, please keep that in prayer. And also, besides prayer, you know, you'll have an opportunity to participate in that. Uh, the cinema is going to be selling tickets. We're taking 60% of the tickets, our churches. So we're going to provide those to you. And then there, at that showing, it'll be up to you if you want to participate or donate anything. You don't have to do anything at all. I can tell you on the trailer, when you listen to the voices on that trailer, the Bacellis and the other ones that are joining him, uh, wonderful voices, even including Michael W. Smith and some people you wouldn't think would be, would be partnering with Andrea Bacelli, uh, your hair begins to stand up when you begin to hear the, the, just, the, just the, 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 the gift, probably the best tenor in the world, maybe the best ever, um, just an amazing, amazing gift of God. So that's something. We'll show a trailer to you on that next week. Begin to pray about it. Write that date down, April 4th. It'll be at 7 o'clock, and we'll have directions for you. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. I ask you, Lord, to make it sharp and to divide asunder to the very morrow. We thank you, Lord, that you help us to continue to build upon that which you've been showing us about how to ask correctly for prayer, how to expect and receive, how to believe, Father. So we've come to you, Father, to turn it up another notch this morning. We've come to you, Lord, for you to show us what it isn't required and is required of us, Father, to just be in that place where we can move a mountain, in that place, Lord, where we can call down fire from heaven, in that place, Lord, where we could speak to the tomb and tell the dead one to come out, in that place, Lord God, when we can stand and look at a leper or look at somebody who's lame and said, be healed, in Jesus' name, Father, you did it. You've told us we can do it. And Lord, we'll do it. Help us, Father. Bless us. And all the glory be to you. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Well, we've had a great three weeks as we've journeyed in this series of The Ask Activates the Answer. I'm not going to review all of that. If it's something that interests you, just make sure you give your name before you leave, and uh, we'll get some tapes made for you so that you can take them with you. Actually, it's not tapes, it's discs now, but any regard, you'll get them, and, uh, and you can follow the series. It's also online on the YouTube, and you could follow that. Many have, and uh, we, I keep receiving responses from people telling me how timely it is for them. I want us to run down a, a allowing the Word of God and the Scriptures to amplify that which we're going to see, both by the Word and by the revelation that the Lord adds to it for your lives. Now, one thing we don't preach, in fact, we preach against begging to the Lord. There's been a misnomer because, you know, it, we know the parable, the story of the woman who, who went to the judge and, and just pounded the judge and overpounded the judge and went back and back to the judge and finally the judge said, woman, basically, if, if, you, if you want to uh, understand the meaning of the parable, he said, you're driving me crazy. I'm gonna give you what you want. Um, we don't need to do that with the Father. You know, that's as if he can't hear you. 
That's as if he doesn't care. That's as if he's not able. The only hindrance we have in answered prayer is we ourselves, typically, right? Uh, Sonny and I were talking this morning, and he's been praying for someone to have a healing, but that person's been praying for the Lord to take them. And, and, and seriously said, you know, I'm ready to go. I said, Sonny, that prayer trumps your prayer. You can't push your prayer through somebody who's ready to go home. And so if they're ready to go home and they have peace with God, you could pray all day long and the Lord isn't going to move because that person's faith is what? To go home. It's their, that's where they want to go. And maybe that's what they're supposed to do, right? I don't know how many of you have had experiences where you've prayed somebody back only to see them in anguish and torture and pain. It happened to my mother's mother, my grandmother. I was in the room and, and uh, her heart stopped. And they, they took the defibrillators and they, they jolted her back and she went through about 24 hours of horror and pain. And then she went back and went home. She was ready to go home. Science wanted to try and deal with the body, but she, had, she was a woman of faith. She wanted to go home and it was time to go home. And we've seen that so many times, right? So what's the moral of that story? The moral of that story is we wanna be aligned in our ask with the will of God and with the will of the miracle. With the will of God and with the will of the miracle. And so we're gonna define that a little bit better as we go down. Why do we do these things? So that you, can, you and I and everyone, that we can be better equipped in these dark times. These times are dark and they're gonna get darker. And we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And if our testimony is that we're not sure of what our God is able to do or he's willing to do, or if we're able to have enough faith to do it, we're in a bad place. We're, we're in no better place than the secular world is because they're, they're, they're operating by what? Chance and luck, right? They said, oh, you were lucky, or by chance, you, you happen to be in the right place. We discovered as we were worshiping, and, and I shared with you that it's not the amount of faith that's downloaded into a person, it's the faith that we end up sending out by the word of the Lord and he grabs that and he multiplies it and he increases it and he joins us in it if we just believe. If we just believe. Faith can waver, but God will be strong. Your faith can waver. And a lot of times when we're getting closest to the answer and the miracle, our faith begins to question things and we begin to get an onslaught from, from the, the evil kingdom, and there is a kingdom of evil, from secular, professionals, sciences, and from our own flesh, because we become impatient and we begin to question, is this going to happen? And what do we do? We begin to prepare as if it's not going to happen. <laughs> and that begins to diminish faith. Lord, if you will do this, fine, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to do this anyway, just in case you don't do it. Hey, you know, you could understand where I'm going with this. So let's, let's just look at some great statements of faith. And let's divide that word and understand it just a little bit better. If we could go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, please. Now you know where I'm taking you. That's right back to the, in the beginning. In the very beginning, right? And notice that the Lord, who didn't have to speak to anybody, in fact, who was he speaking to? He was speaking to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, and all of whatever creation was or wasn't at that time, right? But he taught us something right from the beginning. 
Most theologians believe that the Torah was written mostly by Moses, and so that he's the one who got this download for Genesis. I don't know that. None of us really know that. Maybe that's part of what he got when he was on the mountain twice, (laughs) receiving the word of the Lord, receiving the commandments, communing with God in the fellowship. But this is what was recorded. Then God said, say said, said. God said, yes, God must have thought, but he said. God didn't need to said. (laughs) He could have just thought. But there's a reason why it says God said, and then what he said was, let there be. Notice the root, be. Be is part of what? Believe. Let there believe. Let there be. Let it manifest. Let what wasn't become right now, and let it come in its perfection. Now, God didn't need to get a whole bunch of scientists and theorems and talk about, you know, all of the things under the world about how to let there be light. God said, let there be light. Light didn't exist before that, right? The only light we know about that might have existed before that is in in, in his own throne. And that was pure. And maybe we had angels of light, I don't know. I don't understand all of that. But all I know is that God immediately said, let there be light, and there was light came. Let there be. God said, and then it came, just like that. Do you think it took a while? Do you think it had to percolate and figure out how to make it? Do you think that there was some kind of a formula about light and light years and the speed of light and everything? No, there was light, and light in its perfection, which is still a mystery to us. Even science tries to figure it out, and they can't really figure out all about light, not pure light. Not pure light. Can't be figured out yet. And the speed of light, maybe light's faster than the speed of light. They came out recently, some scientists trying to figure it out. Because God said, let there be light. And there was light. Point in place, God said. Highest level of creational faith. Said. God didn't just think. God didn't negotiate. God didn't ask. God said, let there be light. Okay, next point. Let's look at Joshua chapter 10. And in that instance, let's look at starting in verse 12. Let me give you some background for this. Joshua was a mighty man of war. Joshua was the one that received to be the manifestation of the promise that God made to the children of Israel that Moses was not allowed to keep because of his unbelief, because of the fact that he stopped at a level of faith. That's hard to believe, isn't it? This man who went before Pharaoh, this man who uttered things and had 10 plagues, he had a point where his faith wavered and the children of Israel favored. And he had a point where he listened to what was human reason about giants, and he wasn't allowed to cross in, and he had to wait. But mentoring underneath him was somebody who saw all of these things and had a measure of faith, and God purified and said, okay, I'm going to use you, Joshua. Now, they were having some fights with the Amalekites, and they needed to kill him, and Gideon and those people, they were being, the Gibeonites 
were being challenged by them. So they came and they asked Joshua, will you fight and help us? And he said, yes, we will fight and help you for whatever his reasons were. And so they numbered the army of Israel and they came down to fight with them. And in that battle, it says that the Lord told him before he went, now stop a moment and listen. The Lord spoke a word to Joshua. He spoke a word to Joshua. Now, if you have your Bible, hold up your Bible a moment. Joshua didn't have one of those. Huh? Joshua didn't have a Bible. He didn't have the scripture. It was all related to them by word, by mouth. The prophets would speak, but they weren't being written down yet. They weren't even, they weren't even there yet. They understood Torah by being able to, to speak oratory. They were able to remember Torah. They didn't have the stories of David and all of the other miracles and, and, and faith-building things. So it was important for Joshua to hear the word of the Lord. So the Lord came to him and he said, be strong and be of good courage because I'm going to deliver every one of them into your hands and not one of them will be left. That's a pretty strong word, isn't it? So he heard that word, but yet he still needed a miracle. And it says that after he received all of this, he went to battle and guess what the Lord did? Not only did he give them super strength and favor so that they could overcome their enemy, when that wasn't enough, it said he sent a hailstorm down upon them. And the hail was so strong. Can you imagine that? A hailstorm, little balls of hail. They must not have been too small because it killed them. I mean, how many of you have been out in a hailstorm? I mean, it didn't kill me. It wasn't comfortable. Put dents in my car and a few other things. And God, by the way, God still uses that stuff. I was in Kiev with Sid Roth and we, were, we had a thousand Jews coming to an auditorium and we were looking at that auditorium. I've seen that same auditorium on the news, by the way, multiple times. And Sid was all distraught. It was supposed to start at five o'clock and the doors were opening at four and it was two o'clock and the rain was coming and all of these expensive cars were blocking the paths to the auditorium. And I said, don't worry about it, Sid. The Lord said he's going to remove all those cars. Well, how's he going to do that? I said, I don't know, but that was the word of the Lord that came at a prayer at a quarter to two with myself looking over there with him and his assistant. A lawyer, by the way, who didn't have much faith. <laughs> he was trying to legally figure it out. Imagine that process in Kiev, an American lawyer trying to tell people to move their cars. They're really going to listen to that guy. So I spoke it out because the Lord gave it to me. And at two o'clock, there was a crack of lightning and, and rain began to come down. And then it turned to hell. And about five after two, you saw all of these wealthy people jumping out to get in their Rolls Royces and their Mercedes and their, whatever they had to get them out of there and get safe because the hell was putting dents in their car. And then Sid said, now what are we going to do? The people aren't going to come. There's rain. There's hell. I said, Sid, Chill. Watch what the Lord shall do. At 2.25, it stopped. The sun came out, and the people began to line up. He's still the same God. He's still the same God. When we get a word from the Lord, hang on to that word. And even people of faith will try to talk you out of the word. And even people of faith will persecute you after the miracle. Huh? 
How about Jesus? I mean, come on now. The guy does miracles. People walk, they talk, they get healed, the blind see, and they come after him afterwards and say, you must have a demon. Huh? I, how many times have somebody said, how dare you say that when you're praying for their loved one to be healed? Don't put that in them. You're going to give them a false hope. I don't know about a false hope. There's no such thing as a false hope. The truth of God says that faith is the substance of things if you don't have hope, you're not gonna get the faith. And if you don't get the faith, there's no substance. So yes, we are people that instill hope because God gives us hope. We put hope in other people. We bring hope in to the hospital room. We bring hope in to the people that are distraught. We bring hope into the orphan. We bring hope into the poor person. We bring hope into wherever hope needs to come because we're hope givers. That's who we are. And if we give up hope, we lose it all. We're no better than anybody else. Then we have to worry about chance, luck, and the government. Huh? How about all those very wealthy people in the Silicon Valley that thought their money was safe in the sixth largest bank in the country that went out and evaporated on Friday? Huh? Where was their hope? Their hope was in the bank. Sixth largest bank in the country. Unheard of before for one to go out like that. And now what they're saying? I don't know if you read it this morning. I get up very early and I, I get my briefings. I read certain things. It's who I am and what I do. 5 a.m. this morning, you know what was coming out? They're concerned that people are going to rush the regional banks. Maybe Farmer's Bank, huh? Maybe Consumer's Bank. Maybe First Bank. They're going to rush the banks because it's only covering up to 250000 Well, if you don't have 250000 you don't need to go to the bank. None of us have that problem. But, but because the rest of it isn't insured. So they're concerned now that there's going to be a rush on regional banks and people are going to get, make sure they got less than 250 in the bank because the sixth largest bank just blew up. And millions and millions of the money of the smartest people on the planet, techno people, Huh? I mean, I can't even imagine how these people think. They invent stuff. They, they do stuff with, they, they turn nothing into money. They turn something into an invention. And you and I look at it, and we're, what's that? They just lost a whole bunch of money. And many of them aren't sleeping. And I'll bet you, unfortunately, we're going to hear stories about people who didn't make it the next few days. Hope. We need hope. We need hope. So let's go further. I gave you the background for Joshua, right? So then what happens? It's not over yet. The hail didn't kill them all. There's still some of them left. And Joshua says they're going to they're hide in the night. There's not enough time in the day. Maybe they're going to get resupplied, reinforcements. Maybe they're going to scatter them. We're not going to find them. We don't know what the battle strategy had to be, but Joshua had one. So what did he do? Did he beg the Lord? Did he get down on his knees and grovel in dust and put ashes on himself? And, oh, Lord, hear me, Lord. You gave me the word. Hear me, Lord, this isn't working. Yeah, you gave us hell, and yes, we're fighting like, you know, a thousand soldiers per one, but they're still here. What did he do? He said, hmm, if I could stop the sun and the moon, then Joshua spoke to the Lord. Say spoke. God said. Say said. Ah. 
Joshua spoke to the Lord. Oh, the Lord heard that. Ah, he said, this is my language. We're speaking and we're saying. This is my language. Not begging, because I already gave him the word. So now he's speaking in the reality of what I already gave him. Hold your Bibles back up. How much word is in there? A whole lot of word, and every bit of it is truth. You need a word from the Lord, open up your Bible. That's truth. That's truth. You can bank on that. You may not bank on SVU Bank, but you can bank on that. Take it to the bank of the eternal heaven. Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, now listen to this. Joshua, the fearless leader, and they're probably saying, you know what, if the hell didn't get them, what are we going to do? They're probably tired. Maybe their weapons needed to be sharpened a little more. Maybe they were hungry and thirsty, and maybe it looked like just a little too much to have to chase these Amorites all over the countryside in Judea and Samaria and wherever they were at. Maybe they were just getting a little battle weary. So what's Joshua do? He doesn't say, hey, let's, let's get ready. You know, he doesn't give them the old marina. Ooh, he says, hey, Lord, son. He doesn't even say, Lord, make it happen. He goes, son, what did he speak to? The son, what did we just sing and pray? Speak to the mountain. He spoke to the son. Wow. He spoke to the son. He said, stand still over Gibeon. Because where were the Amorites attacking the Gibeonites? Stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. He just took control of the planets. Now, if you're sitting there and you're watching Joshua, you think maybe he needs something to drink. Get him some water. Something's wrong with him. He's speaking to the sun and the moon. I don't know about this guy, but he does it in front of all of them. Next verse. So, the sun didn't listen to him, and it set, and they all got killed. No, so the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenge on their enemies, just like the Lord said. And so then the writer, the writer, because he says, no one's going to believe this. He says, is this not written in the book of Jasher? Yeah, book of Jasher, who that? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and then listen to this, and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. Now here's the level of faith they had at that time, because they didn't hold your Bible up, they didn't have your Bible. They didn't have the Word, right? Next verse. And there has been no day like that before or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. That was the limit of faith in that day. No day. He says no day after it. Well, he's probably writing, what, two years after, five years after, ten years after? Probably wasn't another one like that. But guess what? They've been here now. They've been here now. It's happened. And it's going to continue to happen. And it's going to continue to happen more and more. You see, I don't know how many of you have ever been in a situation where you had to immediately speak to nature in order for something to happen. Has that ever happened to you? And have you seen a result? Have you seen a result? I have. Amazing results. Amazing, I've shared them before, I'll give them real quick so that you have it and those in the teaching have it. 
because it has happened since that day, and it's going to continue to happen that day. And I've had to analyze myself what happened in me, what happened with that. It was nothing in me other than speaking a little measure that God then took control of. My wife woke me. It was in Miami at the time, 2013. I didn't even know our daughter Carissa was on an island in Hawaii celebrating her anniversary with her husband that he took her for a a surprise and they were on Kauai. And a tsunami was on its way from Japan. You probably remember that. And it was headed to the West Coast, but first it was going to hit Hawaii. And it was on its way to Kauai. And Carissa called my wife. It was about five in the morning. She said, I just want you to know that they're evacuating us. We're going up into the mountains and this tsunami is supposed to hit here in a couple hours and you may not be able to talk to us for a while. And so she came and woke me up. And she said, our daughter Carissa is in Kauai. There's a tsunami on its way. It's likely to hit there by 7 a.m. And she just wanted us to know in case we can't talk to her, in case something happens. I was like startled. I didn't know what to do. So I got up and I said, which, I, ta- I said to my wife, point me in the direction of Hawaii because I was still, you know, which ways. And she turned me around and I'm this way. And I said, if I be a man of God, Lord, I speak to that tsunami and I tell it now, it cannot hit that island, that it must diminish and go away and will be nothing more than a ripple because that is my daughter. I laid back down. She called again. She said, Dad, my phone's working now. It was a quarter to seven. I said, yeah, what are you seeing? She goes, Dad, the the water's beginning to recede. How many of you know when a tsunami comes, it sucks the water out and then sends it forth? I said, yeah, what are you seeing? She goes, oh, it's going way out. It's really sucking the water out, Dad. They're telling it's imminent. It's ready to hit. I said, honey, you won't see that. I said, in fact, look off to your right and look on the horizon. You're going to see a stirring in the water. I said, that's an angel holding it back. And it will not go past that stirring. Dad, I see it. I said, keep watching. Dad, I see it. She goes, Dad, nothing happened. Stay on the phone with me, honey. Dad, the sirens quit. It's over. She goes, boy, I hope it didn't go to the big island. I said, no, it can't. I said, it was stopped by the Lord. That's real. Kenya, multiple times we've called the rain down. Multiple times the rain's come with us. wasn't even a cloud in the sky. And the rain came. That's real stuff. That's real stuff. Deep horizon, the wheel getting plugged. Pronounced it in front of 3,000 people in Miami. Said, we're going to know on how Obama treats Israel in a meeting that's going on with Benjamin Netanyahu this week. If, it's, if he changes his cards and tells them not to give up land for peace, God's going to plug that well and it's going to happen. You, you realize science couldn't plug it. They tried and tried and tried and tried. They couldn't. Within 48 hours, it was plugged. And they said, there's going to be a disaster. We're going to have oil there in the Gulf and in the Panhandle for the next 20 years. We're not going to have fish. We're not going to have wildlife. But the Lord spoke and he said, I will blow it away. And within 30 days, they had a hard time finding any residue of it. He's the God that can and shall. So yes, you say, well, pastor, I'm sure 
that increased your faith. Of course it increased my faith, but it doesn't change how we approach things. You see, we already settle in our spirit and our body that we can and he will. Or we have it in our mind, he might. If you have it, he might, you need to change it to a can and he will. Never, ever, ever agree with somebody about luck or chance. Pastor, you were lucky. Oh, no, don't put that on me. Ain't no such thing as luck. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I'm blessed. I know my God. I walk with my God. All glory to God. Never let somebody tell you you were in the right place at the right time. No, 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 no. I don't control time. God controls time. Time was in the right place for me. <laughs> hey, all things work together for good to those who love God, including time and nature and science. Isn't it interesting how we knew? We knew in January... When COVID, they didn't even know what it was and hadn't come out. We knew spoken right from here, spoken in magazines. At that time, it was only me and Senator Tom that were the ones saying it came out of a lab in China. It's called COVID. It's a bad virus. It's a bad disease. It should be an act of war. Now, what are they saying? Came out of a lab in China. Fauci was lying to everybody like we all said then. And it should have been an act of war. Because God told us. They tried to shut down the church. We obeyed for one week and then we came and we said, we're having church. Well, you might get arrested. Well, could be worse. We want to hear the word of the Lord, but we have a Bible. And you know what that Bible said? No plague shall come upon you. That's what that Bible said. There are people who spoke it out. Oh, it's terrible. It's going to kill me. Guess what? They opened up gates. They opened up gates in their lives. We have to be careful what we say. The, the, the demons that are there listening, the reports that go to the kingdom of evil against God's people are just waiting for us to slip and give them an opportunity. They can't open the gates in our lives. The gates of hell cannot prevail. We can open them. There's people I know that have had their eyes healed and they read porno at night and they wonder why their eyes got bad again. There's people I know who've had their lungs healed and they keep smoking and they wonder why their lungs got bad again. There's people I know that got out of poverty and they went right back into debt because all of a sudden their credit got good and so they overbuy and they're back in poverty again. We're the ones who have authority over that. You never have to worry if you're going to be okay. Listen to me. You never have to worry if you're going to be okay as you get older. Who's going to take care of me? You're already taken care of. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God and he will supply everything you need. You don't have to worry about it. Somebody might pay your bill that you never met in your life. You'll just go there and all of a sudden it was paid. Have you ever heard those stories? Has it ever happened to you? Huh? Have you ever been in a grocery line and you didn't have enough change and somebody just paid your bill? Huh? I had a mobster bring me tires for my car when I was 16 years old. He said, boy, you, you got bad tires. I said, I sure do. He says, well, why aren't you going to change them? I said, I'm just saving up some money. Next day, he brought me four tires. God supplied. I didn't even know the Lord then. God supplies hope 
So let's go further. We get past Joshua. Let's look at this one. Let's go to Let's go to Matthew. Actually, I'm sorry. Let's go to Acts 14:9. Acts 14:9. It's about Paul. Right? Now remember, Paul came out of the law. Paul came from a belief system that there never was a day like that before Joshua and never would be another one. That's how he was raised. That's the scripture that he believed in. He never got to the point of grace or the blood of the Lamb. He never got to the point of a Holy Spirit indwelling. The Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh to him, was one who came upon whom he would for a moment. He never got to the point of understanding that he could be a high priest and a king unto the Lord through the blood of the Lamb. But then he did. And when he did, it says that Paul heard, this man heard Paul speaking. Paul observed him intently and seeing that he had faith in him to be healed. Next verse. Said with a loud voice. Somebody say said said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And the man leaped and walked. Now go back to the verse before again. Let's pick it apart a little bit. Let's, let's get some gems out of it. This man heard Paul speaking. He heard the man of God. We don't know if he knew Torah or not. He probably had to overcome the atmosphere that was saying this is a heretic. This isn't a man, a rabbi anymore. This is a heretic. He had to overcome some prejudices. He had to overcome some culture. He had to overcome some religion. Huh? Do you know that the hardest people to talk to about miracles are religious people? Because the belief set is in the religion, and if things get offside a little bit, it's like, ooh, that's weird. I don't know if I'm comfortable in that. Yeah, it's uncomfortable to be in the presence of a supernatural God. Because he doesn't do things our way. He doesn't think the way we are. He doesn't care, listen to me, about historical faith or common faith. Having faith in what Joshua did was for Joshua. Common faith says, well, that may or may not happen and God only goes this way. Common faith says, oh, I'm not going to ask the Lord for my miracle because somebody else has such a greater need than me. How many times have you heard that? No, pray for them like God can't answer at all. That's common faith. This man, he didn't have that kind of new faith, but something happened. It says, Paul observed him intensely. It says intently. Wait a second. Paul speaking, he's got a crowd and for some reason, he focuses in on a person that the favor of God's upon. And he speaks to them intently. And he sees that person is hanging on his words. He sees something stirring in that person. We don't know how many people were there that Paul was speaking to, but we know there were people there. It'd be like speaking in a church, at a crusade, at a revival. I've been there. 
I've had people pick me out, and I've picked people out. I tried to hide sometimes in the back, and they still found me. Paul spoke. He saw this man intently. What was he doing? Discerning. Paul was discerning. Where's the Lord at? Who's holding on to this? Who's sleeping? Who doesn't care? Who's just here because somebody made him come? Who's here just here to, 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 to criticize me? Who's here to find fault? But he found this sick person hanging on every word intently. Something was stirring inside of him. And then seeing that he had faith to be healed. Ah. Now, do you think that this guy had a white poster? You know, said First John 3. You know, do you think he had one of those posters? No. What did Paul see? He saw the Spirit of the Lord moving upon this man, and, and his spirit was confirming with this man's spirit that this man was believing his words and was actually believing that what Paul said could be true. But the man didn't have enough faith on his own, did he? Because he could have just stood up if he had enough faith and said, I receive, I'm healed. No. Next verse. Paul said with a loud voice, he shook that place. Could you imagine we're talking nice and soft right this and Paul's preaching and teaching and then all of a sudden Paul yells out, stand up! Straighten your feet! Do you think everybody turned to look? Do you think Paul was worried about whether he was going to be made a fool of or not? Paul became the voice of God. And Paul said with a loud voice, not because he needed, God needed to hear him loud. It's because he put himself on the line with his faith. He put it right on the line in front of all those people. Now, if that man didn't stand up, what would have happened to Paul's gospel? They'd all said, oh, something's wrong with him. All these stories he's been telling us, something's wrong. Stand up. And it says the man leaped up. It was as if an angel got underneath him and grabbed him by the booty and threw him up in the air. He leaped up. He didn't, he didn't. Hey! And he walked. And he walked. And I assure you, everybody in there got a new measure of faith. Even the ones that came to criticize him and persecute him. Paul said, Paul said. You see, that's why we're a house that believes in the full power of God and in the miracles of God. Because when you get in the atmosphere of the power of God and the belief in the miracles of God, your faith increases. You may have a hard time sustaining it all week long, but when you come into the house of the Lord and people are strong and moving and giving testimonies of faith, it's like you're pumping power and blessing into yourself. How many of you have gone to a service and you walked out of there probably feeling worse than you went in? How many of you went somewhere and you got nothing? Nada. My wife has to coach me because when we walk into places like that and I tell her I'm going to go to the bathroom, she knows I'm not coming back. See, she's trying to be nice because people are watching me. I'm like, I'm out of here. Especially when they begin to talk 
maybe God will. or I don't want that in my spirit. I don't want to hear that stuff. I speak a different language. You speak a different language. We speak the different language. We speak the language of speaking. We speak the language of said. We speak the, the language of spoke. We speak the language of telling the mountain where to go and what to do. We speak a language when someone gives us bad news, we say, oh, no, 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 you're not putting that on me. What? No, 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 you're not putting that on me. What do you mean? No, I'm telling you, you got something in your head. I've been there, you've been there, they told me I had a tumor. There. Why? You could receive what people put upon you, or you could say no. And when you say no, now you stand in the place of God in your own situation. No, nope, I'm not receiving that. Oh, you only have four months to live. No, nope, I'm not receiving that. I have stuff to do yet for the Lord. I have an assignment. If you know you have an assignment, it's not your time. It's not your time until you're either in disobedience and the Lord slams the door or your assignment's up. That's why you hear me teach and pray. And you heard what Joshua said. Strong and then gone. His eyes didn't dim and his vigor didn't go away at 80 years old. He said, I'm as strong now as I was when I was 40. My eyes are still good and he's got his, I don't know what his vigor was, but he still had it. I think I could understand what it is for a man, but he had it. They called it his vigor. Hey, not bad word. He was still strong. And so once I got that, Revelation, I said, hey, if it's good for, for Joshua, it's good for me. Lord, keep me strong and then gone. When we're done, let's go. When my assignment's done, I don't want to sit here and babble and chase false dreams and waste your time and my time. And I, when I'm done, let's go. But until it's that point, Lord, keep me strong. And I'm like you, I have to fight stuff off. I have to fight stuff off. You know, just age and time and your body being beat up, stuff tries to come on me. But you know what? I, I just don't let it come. I fight it off. I don't run to the doctor with every little thing and say, ooh, I think maybe. And I don't want to hear anything about genetic stuff. I don't want to hear about what my daddy had, what my mama had, what my grandpa had, what my grandma grandpa's had, whatever. Hey, I don't have any of that. No such thing as a generational curse. How many of you did what I told you to do the next time you go to your doctor? Bring some white out, bring an eraser, get your file out that they gave you to erase all that stuff when they asked you about your history with your family. Get rid of it and say, I'm in, covered in the blood. I'm in the blood of Jesus. And you know what? Bring something, bring a red marker with you and put it right across it. Blood of Jesus. And let them ask you what that one's about. What's your blood type? Blood of Jesus type. Whoa, what'd your mama have? Blood of Jesus type. Oh, you might have this. Your daddy had the blood of Jesus type. Hey, do you realize how they try to identify us by things we shouldn't be identified by? They don't mean anything wrong. They just don't know any better. They think they have more knowledge than you have, but hold your Bible up. You have more knowledge than they have if you're in that Bible. Yeah, if you're in there, you got the knowledge of Christ. You got the mind of Christ. You have the answer. You have the truth. You have all the different kind of faith you want. You got historical faith. You got faith, faith. You have great faith. You have little faith. You have faith that could waver and comes back. You have faith that knows. You have faith that hopes. You have everything that you need right in there. 
You don't have to worry about how your body is put together because you know He who put it together. And you know that He says He perfectly formed you. And He formed you in the womb. And He knew you before you were there. In fact, He knew you from the foundations of the earth. He made you perfectly. So don't worry about what the doctor tells you. You're made perfectly. Sometimes we just have to find the perfection. Seek that. Not the problem. Let's go on to another one. How about this one? John 11, verse 38. You know which one this is? Hmm? Lazarus. John 11, verse 38. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, it says as he came towards the grove, he could be heard groaning. Romans. The Spirit groans inside of you, uttering in a language you don't understand, interceding for you on behalf of the Lord. He was groaning and interceding in the Spirit. He was filled with the fullness of the Spirit of God. He was putting some high octane into the faith. That's why we pray. That's why we groan. Building ourselves up in the most high faith. You got it? But pastor, you know that talking and telling, you don't need to do it, then pray with your words. Lord, build me up. Build me up. Strengthen me, Lord. I'm about ready to walk into a dark place. I'm ready to walk into gloom. I'm ready to talk to people who don't have faith. I'm ready to be in a difficult situation. Build me up, Lord. Build me up. Build me up. Build me up. Came to the tomb, and it was a cave. And there was a stone laying against it. Next. That's what happened for wealthy people, by the way. Lazarus was wealthy. Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha. The sister of whom was dead said to him, oh no, Lord. By this time he stinks. He didn't have Loomis, right? This time he stinks, for he has been dead four days. Well, that's what happens to a body dead for four days in a cave. It stinks, right? She had common knowledge. Common knowledge. She was stuck in common knowledge. She was stuck in historical common knowledge. Made sense, but it wasn't the Lord. By the way, she's telling this to the Lord. It's like Jesus is scratching his head saying, days? What's a day? Days like a thousand years, a thousand years. What are you talking to me about a language I don't even understand? Jesus said, take away the stone. Mara argued with him. Said, my, my brother stinks. Next verse, Jesus said, somebody say said. said. He said to her, now he's, now he's confirming the word. Now he's speaking out loud. He didn't even have to teach her in this instance, did he? You would think that the miracle itself would be enough. But he said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God. Now she believed because she came and got him. But her belief went away given the circumstances. He died. You see, and that's when we're challenged the most. We're challenged the most when our hope erases, eradicates, because the circumstances prevail. So we think. Did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? What's your miracle for? The glory of God. 
Yes, He wants to bless you. Yes, He wants to help you. Yes, He has compassion for you. But it's all about the glory of God. And guess what? No one can take away the glory of God. Nobody. When God says, I'm doing this for my glory, get out of the way. Because He's going to get it done. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up His eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. On his way there, groaning. He was heard. He knew he was heard. He knew it was a done deal. Showed up. And I know that you always hear me. Does God always hear you? Yes? Does he hear you when you ask amiss? for your own flesh Lord don't bless Eddie bless me I need that blessing more than he needs it. does God hear that hmm does God hear when you've been at the casino all night long lost your money your eyes are bleeding you come home in the morning and say, Lord, I need to make my house payment. Please make my house payment. Does God hear that one? Does he? Huh? Does sin block us from God? What do we got to do? We got to remove the sin. Does disobedience allow us to receive the blessings of God and enter into his rest? Not what Hebrews says. They failed to enter into his rest because they disobeyed God. But Jesus was walking in perfection. He knew it. He knew that he was going to be made sin, but he never sinned. We know that he was made sin who never sinned, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, and then we obey. Trust and obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It was sacrifice in the Old Testament, so obedience in the New Testament. Trusting and obeying God. I know you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, Jesus had a mission, and that mission was that once he was gone, people would still believe he was the Son of God, and he came for a purpose, right? And now watch what happens, and we're going to be closing. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice. He put more emotion in it. Not just a loud cry. He put some emotion in it. You know why? Because he was feeling what he was saying. Lazarus was his best friend. Lazarus was, was more than just a dead person to a sister that he loved. Lazarus was his friend. And he cried unto God with a loud voice. Lazarus! Come forth. Well, we got to go to the punchline. Let's go and close. And he who had died came out bound. And how many sermons have you heard? You know, came out bound with grave clothes on. His face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Do you see something that runs as a vein through all of these? I could get into Elijah. We don't have time. 
Elijah's the one who said, if I be a man of God, send fire down from heaven to destroy these false prophets. If I be a man of God, Lord, send it down. He put himself in the position of his faith that God put him in his calling with. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then you're called to be both a king and a priest. King, you have dominion. Priest, you have favor with God to people. That's what a priest does. Priest serves the Lord for the people. You're one of the people, and the people are the people. That's what you're called to be. How many of you accept and know that you're a priest before the Lord? You need to grab that. You need to hold on to that. Religion doesn't want you to know that. Religion wants you to rely on religion or a person or a thing. And unfortunately, born-again ministries have the same culture many times. They want you to believe that it's only that person, that place, that thing that gives you favor with God. That's not true. You're a priest. And you're a king. You have dominion. A king has dominion over the stars, the moon, nature, the tsunami, the rain, a tumor. You're a king. You have dominion. And so we are those who don't grovel and beg and ask the Lord a thousand times for the same thing. Now, let me say this to you too. If you have to sustain and wait, it's okay to stay in communication with the Lord about what you're believing God for. It's not going to change the outcome, but it might help you in sustaining and, and getting through it. You understand what I'm saying to you? You see, once you believe, you've got to believe it's already done. That's what Jesus said, speak to the mountain, and if you believe, it shall occur. It doesn't mean it might happen right away, so it's okay while you're waiting. Say, Lord, strengthen me. Hold my faith, Father. I believe you. I receive it. I accept it. But you know what, Lord? It's always good to just feel a touch. That's okay. I'm not telling you that you're going to lose your blessing because you do that. Who better to run to than the Father? In the name of Jesus but never recant what you believe. Hold on to it. And you know what? Practice it, speak it over again. Father, I believe. I believe you're gonna remove this blood disease from me. Father, I believe it. The medical doctors say they haven't seen it yet, but Lord, I believe it. But in the meantime, Lord, just help me. Just help me, Father. Strengthen me. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for it. Say it as many times as you need to. But never say, Lord, maybe they're right. I'm going to die. I don't want to die, but I'm going to die. Once you do that, you just shadow boxed yourself into a different corner. Doesn't mean it's over. You got to get right back and say, Lord, I didn't mean that. I was just weak that day. <coughs> Lord's used to that. That's why he strengthens us. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want to continue on this probably one more week at least. I have some stuff. The one I really want to get into, I touched on, is about having this high level of faith from a place of rest. When we enter into the rest with our faith, we're at the highest level of place we can be. 
It means you've prepared yourself not to be shook up. You've prepared yourself and you're resting in the Lord. It means you quit working at the things that you thought you'd been working at and you get out of the way and let him work. So we'll deal with that because it's important for us to understand that. And part of that is that the Lord will take us to a place of next that we can rest in, that we can rejoice in, that we can have joy in and celebrate in. That no matter what we see with these eyes, we're in a better place, the place of next where is rest. Lord willing, we'll deal with that next week if he allows us. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Be blessed, O Lord. Thank you, Father, that we ask, you activate. We believe, you answer. You answer, we receive. Thank you, Lord, that you move us to that highest level of faith. And in that place, Lord, that we be as you would have us to be, that we speak to those things we should speak to, and we speak holy words to them. Father, when we just have that little measure of faith, amplify it, Lord. Strengthen it. Give it more power. Let us groan from the inside as you groaned on the way to your beloved Lazarus. Let us know that you hear, and let us never be weary of speaking to the situation, Father. We thank you that you give us that authority, that power, and that, Lord, we're just like you when it comes to that. And Father, most of all, let when we talk, when we say, when we speak, when we show, it's done for the glory of God so that people will know that you're Lord and you alone receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.